Welcome, shitheads, to... That's how we're going to start this thing? Ah, <laughs> uh, here we go. Welcome, fuckboys. Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, uh, your weekly recap for HBO's uh, Sleep Aid, A Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug, and with me, as always, is Brian. Brian, how you doing? Good. How are you this evening, Doug? I'm doing all right. You know, back from vacation. Uh, it always hurts the first day, you know, getting back to, uh, you know, waking up at a reasonable hour, trying to eat right and failing and feeling bad about yourself because you're not on sure. vacation. But uh, I'm handling it. Well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad you're bouncing back from your vacation. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm ready to uh, discuss the episode. I did think that the best part of last week is that we learned a uh, that a new show from Danny McBride is on its way, Vice Principals. Yeah, and I am. I mean, there's always like a shitty HBO uh, preview for or promotion, I guess, before the Game of Thrones. At least when you watch it, um, because you're stealing your mom's login for cable, like I am, uh, or I might be. Uh, but, uh, this is the first time I was actually excited. I got, I got a funny story real quick before we begin. Um, I saw a promo for Beyonce's Lemonade and all you saw were like, you know, a heavy head and blonde cornrows. And I got excited thinking it would be, um, Eastbound and Down season five. <laughs> that, that would be great. Yeah. Especially if there was a tie in between Danny McBride and Beyonce. I think it could work. I think she could be the, you know, the, you know, part of a love triangle between him and uh you know his love his love of his life whatever her name is good work sure. yeah bay can do anything all right so um what are your initial impressions of episode six blood of my blood oh doug mixed emotions again uh you know if you told me before the episode there's no sans skanks there's no ramsey high sparrow speeches are very limited no dorn and no iron islands i would say this is going to be a real corker but I, I, I was kind of disappointed with this episode, and I realized it was a uh, move the pieces, set the table kind of right. episode. And I think I was just disappointed because uh, uh, some of my lizard brain comes into the, when I'm watching the show, and I just want to see action. And we really had very limited action during the show instead of getting a lot of set pieces. And it ended on a really shitty note, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, you echoed my, thro- my thoughts uh, pretty accurately. Uh, I will think of it, thank God they aren't doing what AMC does and a lot of other sh- popular shows, having a mid-season finale mm-hmm. um, and taking a break and not having shows for several months at a time. But this is what it felt like. Last week was a mid-season finale, and we're kind of setting the pieces for the second half of the show since we only have four episodes to go after this. So it was definitely a table-setting episode, but it was just full of... Um, uh, Look, it was well acted. It was well written, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. I mean, but there was yeah. not a lot of action, and there was a lot of stuff I just don't care about. If you appreciate the show, from this is an interesting thing to watch outside of the, the universe of what's actually going to end up happening in the show was fine. But uh, there's just a, a fair number of boring notes in the show. My, my 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 biggest thing, and I'll rant about it. You'll have one of your oh, one classic of, Doug rant. Classic Doug rant is coming up. But it's really about the characters, and I, I really don't feel for any of the characters. I mean, when you when you enjoy a fictional character, you don't mind them being on uh, screen talking about, you know, nonsense if it's good writing. And and like you said, it was good writing. I just I'm not invested in any of the characters or a lot of the characters that were um, involved in this episode. So yes, and, uh, we, and a lot of the characters, it feels like we've been spinning wheels on some of these characters that were the main pieces of this episode. And I think that's what that and the couple with the lack of action 
Um, you know, I, I, I liked it a lot better on the second watch because it went from, oh, there's no action to, okay, I see where they're going with this. This could be interesting, so on and so forth. But before we spend too much uh, too much navel-gazing time here, let's go ahead and launch into it. All right. Um, so you want to start this off? Sure. So we open in um, – we open to Mira lugging Brand behind. Obviously, they just escaped uh, the tree, and they're running from the whites. And you have uh, Brand in the middle of, I guess, part of the, still part of the Three-Eyed Raven – download because there's a montage of uh basically a history of westeros kind of clockwork orange style and you know there's a couple interesting things in those montage in that montage that we saw for the first time we saw the mad king yeah uh, yeah which that was really interesting we saw the wildfire in action so i I appreciated that and i saw someone online actually went through and did screen grabs of every what an uh, asshole we make (laughs) i'll make you this choice uh shame or uh promise ashamed of thrones fans we will never care that much to go through, uh, you know, a montage like that frame by frame and recap the whole thing. I wrote down the same thing. My initial uh, notes were, wow, it's a highlight reel of the first uh, five seasons. But then, yes, we did get the Ma- Mad King. and um, There was also a bloody woman's hand, which I'm wondering if that's Lyanna Stark. I saw uh, that. I didn't know. If yeah. it, it looked like I, I, I just saw a bloody hand. I didn't know it to me, you know, in the flash, it reminded me of somebody being crucified or stabbed or something. But, sure. um, yeah, I didn't, once again, I didn't frame by frame it. So, um, well, that's what Reddit is for. There you go. Yes. That and, and so the, hate speech. Sure. I spent a lot of time at fat people hate. <laughs> uh, so the whites are in hot pursuit of Brandon Mira. And then of course we have the, uh, the, re- the return of Benjen who at this point is cold hands or, uh, some people referred to him as Ben Hands. Yeah, and that was spoiled for me by you last week, so thanks, Brian. Well, you're very welcome. It is funny that uh, I discussed that the IMDb had him listed as the brother beyond the wall. After we released the episode, the IMDb entry actually changed because my wife went to look it up, and Benjamin, or the brother beyond the wall, was no longer listed on the IMDb episode for the for this last week. But yeah, I so, think he's back on at this point. So, you know, I think the IMDb people and HBO are probably in cahoots. Um, you know, somehow. Sure, sure. So uh, then we uh, basically Bran, or not, sorry, not Bran, um, Benjen or Ben Hans, he uh, starts beating up uh, the, um, beating up the whites. He has an auto light uh, flail yeah, or whatever what the, that thing is. I, I was just like, okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know. That was okay. So, you know, that, considering that was the only action in the scene. Right. In the I, episode. I thought it was very Xena besides the yeah. uh, higher production value of people getting caught on fire. And he brings out like 10 different kinds of ways of killing zombies. So you have like, yes. the horse kill. Then you have, you know, hit it with a <laughs> uh, fire on a stick or a fire on a train. And then you have, you know, hook it with a, uh, some kind of flail and drag it behind a horse. And then it, you know, skeleton falls apart when you drag him into a <laughs> yes, a block. skeleton. And in case you, uh, if you enjoy comedy podcasts in the least, go and listen to the Hollywood Handbook. It's the funniest thing out there. And skeleton is uh, is something they bring up quite a bit. Yeah. So and what? So then what? Uh, basically, after uh, Benjamin messes up a few whites, he does the "come with me if you want to live" thing. And yeah, they, I wrote that down too. Yep. <laughs> so then they take off. And so what I was wondering is how the hell are these whites so flammable? Uh, I don't, I mean, uh, I don't know. If we are, it's not like a, a magic thing like the obsidian 
um, or Dragonglass going into the White Walkers. That's right. definitely a magic thing, and that's what causes them to evaporate. You know, you would think even if they were dry bodies wearing really uh, dry clothing, they're in the snow, so the snow yeah. would get that nice and moist. Uh, but once again, since we don't know how he turned on his magic flame ball, <laughs> yeah. maybe that's not real fire or some kind well, of... Well, I know. it's it's. Listen, it's uh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, but I wrote down this was all cheesy, and I feel like it was like the action quota for the episode, which it was, because this was really the only action episode. Yes. Our, and it also action. raised to me the question, what's the brand bathroom situation right now? Yeah, I guess he just goes... Is he wearing like a like a uh, animal skin diaper or something? Is Mira in charge of his caretaking? Yeah, and is it number one, number stuff? two, and number three? Three. I being, don't know, man. Three being wet dreams. Oh, wet, <laughs> wet tree dreams. Oh, anyway, boy. so I really want to go over. Uh, they in the flashbacks. All right. So since last week's reveal that Bran can essentially time travel and affect the past, uh, and what he did to Hodor. Uh, a lot of people are speculating that every sign of mental illness in any of the characters mentioned in the books is explained by Bran. Uh, so, you know, if you get your mind raped by Bran, you might go crazy like the Mad King, or you might say nothing but Hodor like Hodor. So people think that the Mad King might be um, Bran's doing. And I'm not saying that that particular theory has legs, but it's weird that this was intentional. They kept showing the Mad King saying, burn them all, and then cutting to the army of the zombies and the White Walkers. Leading us to believe if, you know, like you said, you're looking forward to a showdown between the dragons and the ice zombies. So, I I don't know what that means. I don't know whether um, the Mad King saw this battle coming and he wanted to burn everybody. Um zombies and otherwise if brand controlled the mad king or made him crazy um but it's definitely you, you, you can go so far down that rabbit hole of coming up with these theories because we just don't have enough information so far on the show right to really say what is and what isn't as far as brand's concerned but later on when uh benjen reveals himself we get the answers to all our questions <laughs> barely yeah so let's uh why don't you take us on the long road to house tarly all right so we're on the road to horn hill and silly which is gilly and sam uh it's a portmanteau a port a portamento yes a portobello sandwich um and they're they're heading uh to sam's house and sam's coaching up gilly saying you know don't say anything stupid like the truth um you know what could go wrong um, but Sam reveals that his dad is, he was hoping Sam would kill some shitty wildlings or he just doesn't like wildlings. And he's like, keep that on the DL. Uh, we're going to go in here, say it's my baby. Uh, say you're not from where you're from and just be, uh, you know, a good girl. Uh, and then they show Sam's house and it's fucking huge and ridiculous. Well, it's, one thing I did want to mention is go ahead. When- uh, Sam keeps bringing up different types of trees, like he's Bubba from Forrest Gump, except for trees. There's poplars. There's yeah. It's, uh, that I don't know. That and that this is another example of the Sam and Gilly dialogue. I think that's meant to humanize them. But yeah. I just I really don't care about them. <laughs> I agree. It's it's a fail. And yes. I mean, uh, I'm thinking about Doug, starting. Doug, yeah, would you ahead. qualify as an epic fail? 
Uh, no, not not okay. epic. I mean, Dorn's an epic fail. Uh, <laughs> this is just like a, a you know a middling fail. Uh, I just want to say that the this whole thing, and we'll come back to silly this entire episode. It just goes on way too long. I feel like it was supposed to be funny, and really, the only thing that gets accomplished is. Uh, Sam steals his father's sword. Spoiler the alert entire- for the rest of this episode, and spoiler alert in general. We'll be spoiling everything. Uh, what do you? I mean, what what do you have to say about that? I feel like it just went on way too long, and it wasn't funny. And I I'm thinking about putting forth a new uh, segment on the podcast. Uh, we can make it better. So when I say things like this is shitty. Uh, I want to just not just say that. I want to put forth an example of how we could make it better. Um, didn't have the right. time to do it this this week, but I I'll get around to it. So, um, but I feel like this could have been funny. This whole um, fish out of water story. You know, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, well, it turns out to it turns into like a hybrid of she's all that. Say yes to the dress extreme makeover. <laughs> <laughs> so so that we they end up arriving at uh, at. At, at Horn Hill, and Sam introduces Gilly and um, that Craster Trash baby to <laughs> Trash to uh, his mother and his sister, who uh, seem very welcoming and pleasant people. Yeah, nice enough. And you can kind of see where he he gets his uh, his demeanor from. And so then uh, they say, "We Gilly, let's get you out of those potato sacks and get you in a real dress." And Gilly can't believe it. And I, I thought that Horn Hill. Look fucking nice as shit. Yeah, I I, I, I want to comment on that specifically because the amount of it's not just the CG of like the you know the hugeness of the palace, which I think it's a actually a real bit. building. I think it's a real building in Spain, is what I, I saw somebody saying online. I could be wrong about Regardless, that. Regardless, they just put so much care and a budget and the not even the CG or the the wide shot, the uh when they were in the castle. I mean that castle looked like a beautiful Italian medieval uh, you know, mansion. Um, and it just makes me wish they would have put a little bit more effort in things that mattered like Dorn, right. like maybe Dorn, uh, or I don't know. Um, it just seemed like over the top, especially for what happens, like how important is Sam to the story? How funny is this comic relief? Uh, I don't know. I question the decision-making here. Sure. I agree. All right. So then after that, we head back to the Sept, and uh, I saw someone online refer to the Faith Militant as the Westeros Baptist Church, which was hilarious. <laughs> that is brilliant. For those of you who are uh, who live in a, on a hole, the Westboro Baptist Church, they're a funny group. Just Google search them. You'll, you'll laugh your head off. Quite Real amusing. Good. Real good people. Yeah, yeah, just good folks. Yes. So Tommen and the High Sparrow are discussing uh, Marjorie's upcoming walk of shame. Tommen wants to know if there's another way for her to repent for her sins, and uh, the uh, and if the, the he's concerned, obviously what happened to his mother. And it was funny because uh, the High Sparrow says something along the lines of, "The faith militant are stern with those who overstep their bounds during the walk of shame," but <laughs> Cersei had dung, dong swung at her. She was. Yeah. Pelt pelted with feces. I mean, what are the bounds? Yeah, and it was but, just like three or four dudes. If the crowd wanted to tear Cersei apart, they totally could have. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And so Tom and, and uh, the High Sparrow discuss how she's now devoted to the gods. And so then Tom and goes to visit with Marjorie. And this is the first time he's seen her in a while. You know, 
All he cares about is trying to hit it. So they discuss uh, whether they will be now they can be back together. And um, I wondered this was really a well played. I thought Marjorie might. I, I mean, I think that she's playing the faith militant. Uh, I would hope so. Right now, yeah. it doesn't seem uh, that doesn't seem uh, apparent in any real way. Right. Uh, but I'm holding out hope. But as because we, I think she's one of the more clever characters in the show, as as her. I guess grandmother was Elena her mother or grandmother? Grandmother. Yes, and Elena is one of the more um, plotting or the more uh, savvy characters in the show. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so uh, Marjorie tells Tommen that she's accepted, that she has to do the walk of shame, and that she's uh, now wants to be part of the church, and and of course uh, she's just parroting the language that that um, the High Sparrow has said. And so I, I'm really, I know there's more to this going forward, but man, I'm I'm really curious about where this line leads to. And this is another example of the show where this was a, you know, five, six, seven minute scene and nothing, not a lot happened. But yeah, I wrote in my notes uh, three Zs. I don't know what that means. But the story propels, it. it's propelling the story forward, at least setting up a whole nother level of intrigue. It just was kind of. It's kind of boring when just two people sit and talk. Yeah, I don't know podcast. about intrigue. I, that's the thing is, uh, we talked about, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before when um, Tom and had a secret, he's got a secret, and we were discussing, well, what if it's the High Sparrow planning the secret, and what if it's Cersei finding out what the secret is and then playing the Tyrells, and it wasn't that complicated, as we'll find out later in the episode. So uh, I, I, I would keep the uh, intrigue... Uh, boner in check because I don't think they're gonna they're gonna go that far with it and they might surprise me but I'm not holding my breath. Well, and this I was gonna bring it up later when we discuss the the showdown between between Jamie and we can we can yeah so that. so okay so we'll we'll come back to that so okay so we'll, we, now we go back to dinner with the Tarleys yeah I'll I'll take it from here so Gilly's all dolled up and ready for uh, dinner but looks awkward and I just I feel I mean I don't know. The actors, like, I don't know what it's like to be an actor, but it's got to be rough when, like, your greatest achievement as an actor, and who knows, maybe Gilly and Sam will go on to, you know, be James Bond and, uh, I don't know, Cruella DeVille. <laughs> what's, the, what's the pinnacle of acting? Well, that for? classical parent, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, but I know, but right now, you know, as successful actors, they are cast as, like, awkward people or... You know what I mean? Like it's it's rough to be cast for. Hey, it's the fat guy that looks kind of cute. We we can make this work, or it's the goofy looking girl that we can dollar up. And I think they definitely made her look more awkward. I've seen pictures of her. She's she's pretty good looking. But anyway, this I was she cleaned up well. Yeah, but you know she has. Sooner she walked in there in a in a sack of potatoes. Yeah, I guess. But you know they they made her in the show intentionally like walk weird and yes. like her eyebrows were thicker than. She was breathing out her mouth with her mouth gaping open the entire time. So I didn't do her any goddamn favors. Uh, but, uh, you know, Sam has this nice moment where he tells her that the dress looks beautiful. No, you look beautiful. And Oh, yeah. Total uh, she's all that situation. Yeah. And so they go to dinner. Dinner's a, a raucous affair where no one's really talking. Uh, Sam breaks the silence, you know, asking, showing his ignorance about hunting and... You know, telling these long-winded stories about John doing hunting and Ed, and then sometimes this yeah. Guy. First he says, I, "I I've done some." He tries to brag about yeah, hunting, we. No, he says, says, "We." No, it's mostly. Actually, it's my friends. Yeah, 
<laughs> and it's just like it's just terrible. Uh, and then eventually, you know, they rattle on for a while, and then Sa- Sam's dad proceeds to humiliate him for being fat, for being soft, for being literate. Um, and then Which Gilly, in that world, I, I almost sympathize with his dad because in that world, it does. The only thing that prevails in that world is strength. Yeah, but here's the thing: is uh, Sam. Sam has the strength. Sam, if he could relate it to his father and stand up to his father, could relate the strength that he has because he does have strength. He just has strength when it comes to other people. He doesn't really think of himself and he doesn't do things for the glory of the house or whatever. But he did kill White Walker, as Gilly brings up when uh, she... Well, I mean, that was not anything heroic. He just shoved something at a guy and it happened to be the right thing. Oh, he didn't. You know what? I'm, I don't know. You can say that. But like when you're faced with a life and death situation, you might just curl up into a goddamn ball and let the, you know, death come for you. But can he confirm it's happened many times. Yeah. Uh, I just have a red woman that brings me back. But, um, but yeah, he showed some strength. I mean, I don't remember him killing a thin, but she said it happened and I imagine it probably did. Do you remember that? I do not recall that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it happened. But anyway, uh, in her defense, she ends up letting it slip that they came south to the wall. And yeah, they they already said that she was a great huntress, which I mean that that was already like okay, something's going on here, right? Because what women hunt in that right. in that uh, reality, right? Um, and then I guess Sam uh, gives Sam's dad proceeds to give this hateful speech, referring to Gilly as a thing, uh, you know, just basically. It'd be a fucking cunt for, I don't know, three, five minutes. Um, yeah. He's upset about the waddling trash. Yeah. House. And he's just an asshole. It's, and, and we knew this uh, from, yes. uh, once again, I don't know why we had to spend an entire dinner with Sam. Sam's because dad. Sam's actually discussed this on the show at least once about right. how his dad was an asshole and why he ended up having to leave there. But I guess um, we can't take Sam's word for it. We have to see it in action, I guess. Yes. Uh, but there were some, there were some pretty funny lines in there, uh, you know, like he's, he's wait, just, wait, qualify the word funny. Um, I chuckled. Did you really? Did you go? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? More of a a mind smile. Laughed. <laughs> it's just like when he called, he, he said, "I mistook you for a Molestown whore." Yeah, and he said, oh, "I yeah. I overestimated my son." Yeah, instead it's a wilding whore. And I he, guess if you if you think that terrible things are funny, yeah, that's and then that's he cool called her it. Yeah, yeah I do. Yes, and he discusses how they have a half breed bastard. Yeah, uh, just going yeah over the rails. But that's the thing is like I feel like it's it's just the show not dealing with um, uh, subtlety very well. They have yeah. to make the bad guys cartoonishly bad. Like there's no gray. Like the, people praise a Song of Ice and Fire for the greatness of the characters. Sam's dad in the in the books at least was a great commander and he's in the service of uh the lannisters um you know and he's wrecking shit he's a he's a great field commander and he's doing stuff in the war of the five kings and he's showing his value there so you feel conflicted that he's an asshole but he has this great competency here in the show we don't get any of that he's just a piece of shit there's nothing to redeem him he's not gray he's a bad guy yeah, you know what? I think it's it's funny to me in the in the sense of it's funny to watch Jerry Springer. I guess, but at least there's an audience going, "Oh!" Like if they're yeah, that was me. That was me, dude. <laughs> Turned the entire thing. 
<laughs> if there would have been a studio audience uh, at the castle, I think it would have gone oh, yeah. over well. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, Sam does get his way be- by keeping his mouth shut. I think everybody watching the show wanted Sam to step up and defend himself, but he never does. But because he was able to keep his mouth shut, his dad, he gets his way and his dad agrees to let Gilly and the baby stay there. Um, so they cut to, I guess, Gilly's bedroom uh, after dinner and Sam's saying his goodbye because his dad says, you know, I'll take care of Gilly and the baby, but this is your last night being here. So he's he's saying his goodbye and he does it really, you know, shittily and leaves very quickly. But oh no, Sam comes back, finds a backbone, decides to take Gilly and the baby away. Uh, and GTFO, but not before stealing Heartsbane. Which- well, see, it, it, and I thought that he returned because he realized that his dad was probably full of shit and was probably going to kill the baby and or uh, Gilly. Uh, I don't know if that's that's the case, but he just probably... I mean, uh, he was ready to kill Sam if Sam didn't take the black. Right. I think it was more that he just doesn't need this. Like, Sam can... You know, he doesn't want to live in fear of his dad anymore. He just wants to, he wants to, instead of being at the mercy of his dad deciding what's going to happen, he's taking the reins and he's taking control. Um, Whether that means that, you know, I think he, he thinks he can take care of Gillian the baby well enough without suffering this bullshit anymore. Um, It's possible. But he takes Heartsbane. I did, I did miss something when I was relating this scene. They bring up very briefly when uh, you mentioned that uh, Gilly was a huntress. If that, yes. That's probably not politically correct. Um, but they were talking about how the Umbers visited or they met the one of the Umbers and how the Umber taught all his uh, daughters to hunt. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's planting the seed for uh, bringing up the Umbers again. Once again, we know the small John is as of now, a piece of shit, a very charming piece of shit um, that's allied to Roose Bolton. But I feel like that's just kind of like trying to keep the Northern families in our head, trying to introduce them and, you know, make them, um, I don't know, make us aware of them. What do you feel? Right. And so the for listeners who aren't, haven't watched or haven't read the books and have, don't know the thing uh, fairly well, Small John Umber is the one who supposedly brought or did bring Rickon and uh, supposedly Summer's head to Ramsey Bolton right. uh, a couple episodes ago. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought the same thing when they pointed out Heartsbane. I was like, oh, that thing will kill White Walkers. Yes. That'd be useful. And, mm-hmm. you know, they pointed it out, and sure enough, Sam takes it. And I was like, yes, okay, well, that... And that's good, but I feel like we didn't need two separate scenes that added up to, I don't know, a quarter of the episode uh, for this this to happen uh well it, we did have one funny line and when sam went to uh tell gilly to come with him she says get your things and she says i don't have anything <laughs> yeah i, th- I, I will like- admit that that was humorous that yes. was definitely good mm-hmm. all right so what next so yeah so the, we, there's a limited amount of valyrian steel which i don't know the show has done such a great job there's a very limited amount of valyrian steel we know that it's one of the few things that can kill white walkers so this sword is presumably very important to the show but it just took so much time in getting to now sam has the sword yeah and and i don't know in the timeline of the show which again davos at the end of the or the preview for the next episode confirms that it's the living versus the dead eventually how the hell is sam gonna go become a maester 
and then get back up to the wall with that sword. I, I don't. And what is he going to do with Gilly and the baby while he's there yeah. doing it? Yeah, uh, I mean, we're, 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 how many were we down to now? We're under 20. And he's going to have to fend off his dad because uh, even Gilly yeah. says that, hey, won't your dad come from it? He's like, I'd like to see him try. Well, he definitely is. Spoiler alert, yeah. right? I, There's no way he's going to be like, well, he took the sword off. Fuck it. He's spent a lot of time describing how Sam would never have that sword. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that sword's probably more important than the rest of his family. But so. I, did, I, I did like Sam's justification. It's like, it's not his sword. It's the family sword. And I was like, yeah. you know what? You're fucking absolutely right. It's... That sword was handed down for hundreds of years and, you know, you know, dozens of um, Tarleys. Yeah, Sam has just as much right to it as anybody else. He is the firstborn, regardless of what this asshole says. Well, he so, didn't renounce his claim, though. Yeah, well, he did renounce his claim when he signed up for the Night's Watch, but he could always get killed and brought back like Jon Snow and, you know. Now his watch has ended. Now his watch has ended and he's got a sword. He's ready to go and he could, you know. Hell yeah. King of Forn Hill, whatever. All right, so all right, so take us to Bravos. All right, so we go to Bravos and we get to play again, uh, and we see this time it's moved on to season three of the show, and <laughs> which we're dealing with Joffrey's death. Um, and Arya's there in the audience, and she definitely finds it amusing. She does this thing that I do in movies when the movie is bad and there's this real heartfelt moment. Everybody's like, oh, and I just start bursting out laughing, <laughs> and that's what she does when Joffrey uh, during Joffrey's death scene, but. Uh, which, you know, a lot of it seems like a lot of people in Bravos, based on their reaction to the play so far, have been sympathetic to the Lannisters. So she's maybe the only one in the audience who is not sympathetic to the Lannisters. Yeah, it just goes you to it goes to show that the bad guys can win because they they have a great PR campaign because this is the you know the, the history is written by the winners, and the Lannisters won this particular battle. So um, you know, uh, I just think. This is kind of like a nice way to illustrate that is nobody knows uh, what what really happened with Ned Stark and you know you know there's rumors that the Bar- Baratheon children are bastards but that's not confirmed. Mm-hmm. So it's just showing you what the what the I guess the agreed upon narrative is. Yeah, and it's interesting. The one thing that is interesting about these plays is that how they are rewritten and here it's rewritten that the imp was responsible for the death of Joffrey when we know it was actually Queen of Thorns and Littlefinger. Yeah, but it was actually- what that it you know, we don't know, like how, how would you know that if you didn't talk to Tyrion or right. see it yourself? And that that's what's interesting. That's the interesting element of the plays is that this is actually what the common folk think happened. To Joffrey. Yeah. And I think in, once again, I don't want to go off on in the books, but uh, the books do a great job of showing you how untrustworthy uh, information is and how powerful information can be. Um, because, you know, you just don't know. People misinterpret things all the time. Um, it's, it's, everything is a game of telephone um, back then. It's not, you know, like you kids grew up with the internet, but when I was a boy, we had the, you know, telephone, you had to put your finger in it, it went all the way around. And it was it a pain. Not have a, a, <laughs> and it had the two different pieces where you held a little. We only had two television <laughs> programs. He just yes. chose between the two. Uh, but okay, so Arya's watching this play and she laughs at Joffrey's death, but then she begins to sympathize with Cersei's position. This is how I interpret it, by the way. I don't know if this is what you got from it. Because of yeah. the talent of the actor playing Cersei, she's like, oh shit, you know, she's a mom. 
Which uh, I didn't. I did not understand. Well, I think she's seeing. Uh, let me let me skip that thought because it's so far down the rabbit hole. All right. But so the fake Cersei gives that soliloquy, you know, about the death of Joffrey, and I don't know what the hell that was jarring to me because I know it's designed to show that Lady Crane is this great actress, whatever. But it's so far out of tone with the rest of the play. The rest of the play, the people have to know that they're acting like goofballs. So yeah, this but I mean, that, that reminds of- me of a... T- I mean, uh, it reminds me of Shakespeare. Shakespeare's like that, where Shakespeare tries to put in comedy and then he has tragedy, and uh, yeah. it's all ineffective in my mind. But uh, I, I feel like it was fine. But uh, yeah, I, I want to ask you, do you think it was just her sympathizing with Lady Crane for being a great actress, or did she start to sympathize with Cersei for losing a son, which she loved. I think that was part of it, too. And then I think it was also uh, she is realizing that she likes this lady. This lady's lady. Sam, I'm sorry. Sansa likes this lady, thinks she's a good actress, realizes she hasn't done anything wrong and is starting to question I, what the mission of the, the faceless. Man I think is. she's starting to just question everything in general. Yes. Um, and that's fine. So she goes backstage after the play and uh, she has a after poisoning the rum. She has a uh, run-in with the target, the woman, Lady Crane, who's playing Cersei, and she asks, you know, how what's what Arya would do to make it better, and she says, well, Cersei wouldn't just be sad and crying; she'd be angry and want to kill the people who did it. And she has this really introverted look, like she's like, oh shit, Cersei's just like me. This is what happened to to my dad. Somebody killed yes. him, and now I'm on this revenge thing. And Cersei must be feeling the exact same thing. So maybe she's, and I want this to be the case because I feel like this is good, good writing and good uh, storytelling. That Arya is having this connective moment where she feels connected with Cersei, and you know she's not just somebody to kill; she's a human being. Um, that's that's what I took away from it because that's what I wanted to take away from it. What did you get from that? Th- that's absolutely what it was. And the yeah. the, uh, the Lady Crane it says a lot of things that mirror what has happened to Arya so far. Um, the like, for instance, the, how she joined, she saw this play. Uh, when she was a child, this is Lady Crane speaking. She saw a play when she was a child. She thought it was interesting. Ran away to join them. Mirrors yeah, and she Arya. Likes, she likes being other people, pretending to be. Yes, other you people. like to pretend to be other people. I mean, that was basically that was the moment where Arya had to decide whether she wanted to be one of the faceless men or whether she wanted to be a human being. Uh, exactly. I mean, more or less, yeah. Because the morality of the faceless men, I don't think there's any question at this point. There's they are a moral. Uh, organization and I, and I wonder a lot where all the money is going towards like what they're taking presumably large sums of money if they're killing a number of people which they are based on the number of faces so what 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 are, what are they doing i don't know i don't they i have no idea i mean this is this yeah. is a great question it's they could be i don't know how tied they are to the iron bank but it is a little odd that the biggest bank in i guess the world whatever Planetos, do you want to call it, um, is in the same town where the faceless men live and founded the town. Uh, so maybe they are uh, tied to the bank somehow. I yes. have no idea. And then there's another there's another thing, and uh, I did not notice this during the show. I saw it on a screen grab from somewhere. But there's actually a moment where uh, when Arya's walking in that backstage where she meets Lady Crane, 
you can see like a prop for the of the um, of the uh, of the what's the, the hell's the throne? Iron throne. Yeah, with the iron throne, it she's walking in front of it. Looks like almost like she's sitting on it, and then there's a mask in the foreground. Uh, it's a really interesting shot. Oh, maybe. Well. Yeah, I, I, man, there are people who go deep. Um, maybe we can put that on our website as a picture of that because yeah, yeah, I'll definitely put it on the very website. No, I'm not gonna yeah. do that shit. No, and let me stop right now and just say we need. At this point, we've been doing this for this will be six episodes. We need feedback, so uh, get on iTunes, leave us a review, um, give us five stars, and then tell us the truth. You know, say whatever you want. Be have constructive. Uh, negative criticism if you want or positive criticism or uh, encouragement whatever but uh, give us some feedback we don't uh, if you do go to Ashamed of Thrones uh, you'll see all these episodes posted I believe you can post comments um, I'll try to read them if I know how but we definitely uh, need to know that other people are out there um, and we aren't just screaming into the void and don't just call us wankers you can call us wankers uh, don't just call us wankers yeah call us something else in addition but uh, I, I wrote about this. So she fails her test because she comes back in and just when Lady Crane's about to drink the poison, she slaps out of her hand and says, watch out for that bitch over there. She wants you dead. Yeah, and- the lady kind of looks like a chipmunk. Um, <laughs> but everyone's everybody backstage is kind of mad at Lady Crane. I mean, yeah, I guess for, it's jealousy it's, it's, because she's she a good actress. No, it's weird because she said, uh, here's the thing is it made more sense the second viewing. She says well, they loved you. And she's like, well, I do the best with what I'm given. And that, that little line casually said was enough yeah. to got, make the guy who I assume wrote the play pissed off at her. Um, so I think it's just a lot of jealousy and backbiting, but, um, you know, it, uh, it was really weird that she didn't even get to like bring up, Hey, we could make the scene better by doing this. Yes. It was just, she immediately got stomped on. And I feel like, they didn't explore it enough to make it meaningful. And also, uh, it, it was meaningless because, you know, Ari just comes in and slaps the glass out of her hand. Yes. Um, but this is basically the end of Arya's training. Um, she disobeys direct orders and we see that the ugly little girl, what I'm calling the, the way, the way they're doing on the job training, right? <laughs> because they, they referred to Arya in this scene as mercy, which is, uh, one of the preview chapters for the next book that was released by Martin, uh, Arya calls herself Mercy. So I feel like another wink to the uh, book readers would be calling the waif the ugly little girl because she just annoys the shit out of me. Uh, you just see that she just can't wait to snitch. Um, and we oh, yeah. see Arya recovering needle and, you know, finding herself again, I guess. Um, you know, and then they cut back to Jaken um, uh, peeling some guy's face off. And the wave said, you know, you promised me as if she can do it. And I will say I did, I did listen to one other podcast. Um, it's called the game of Thrones podcast. It's by bald move. If you're going to listen to another podcast, don't, but if you're going to listen, listen to, to Hollywood guys. handbook, Hollywood oh. handbook, but game of Thrones recap podcast, uh, listen to these guys are great, but they did point out something that the wave seems, uh, excited to kill Arya and they've been trying to break Arya of her being excited to kill other people in her life. So it's a weird double standard there that, uh, thank you for pointing that out. Cause I totally missed it. I, I knew something was weird about it. I mean, just because of the sweet Valley high of the rival girl being angry at the other girl for being more popular and taking her place. But, um, 
Well, yeah, I I took it as I don't the, I didn't see it as jealousy. I saw it as she has a feeling that Arya is not going to make it this entire time, so she wanted to press press her to see if she would. And she's also pissed off that she's spending all this time on someone that she doesn't think is going to make it. And it never really explained why um, why Jack and Hagar think she's going to make it, other than maybe she saved Jack and Hagar's life back when he was in the train or in the little uh, rolling jail with the other perverts. You know, I, I think that was my theory as far as why, because she was pissed off that they were wasting time with this someone she knew was but not going to still, gonna like, it. she didn't get over it. She never got over it. She's never like, oh, okay, well, I guess you're on board. You're one of us now. No, she never made that transition, and it was just, she was well, obnoxious the, first, the entire time. One of the, listen, she was absolutely obnoxious, but one of the first assignments given to Arya was to kill the uh, kill the shipmaker guy. Instead, she goes and kills Baron Trant. I mean, she's Arya's been terrible at this thing, and everything. The waif, if the waif was looking at her skeptically, it's been borne out the entire time. Yeah, I will just say that. Thank God, Arya's storyline is finally fucking moving forward because this has been one of the most droning. On this is almost worse than Danny being stuck in Marine, in my opinion, because. She's just been learning from the Faceless Men for what seems like three seasons. I don't know. Yes. At least she's do like we're we're moving on, uh, which I'm excited about. Um, yes. But and that I, includes Arya going back to being a street rat. It looks like she's she's definitely going back to her street rat ways because goddamn that street rat. It's just you can't you can't breed it out of them. They're just goddamn yes. street rats. <laughs> and. Um, what I want to point out is I can't wait for that little girl to die, the ugly little girl or the waif, because yes. uh, I feel like there's no way Arya's dying in Bravos. You don't spend three seasons training up in Bravos just to die in Bravos. If you're gonna die in Bravos, you're gonna die on your first day, like Marin Trant did. Um, Good Lord, yes, hopefully. And so, a couple of things about the end of that scene is I found it interesting that she blew out the lights, presumably because she is trained blind. Uh, you know, when they removed her oh, eyesight. Yeah. Good, good, yeah, good point. Yeah, and then the other thing is, they could have absolutely killed that scene if she, if it was uh, just her repeating her list as she turned the light out. You and know, the you're fucking right, because it would have yeah. shown her, like, we are assuming the Finding of Needle is bringing her home to her own uh, original personality or her original identity, um, yes. Because it's all been about it's it's the entire sequence is about about her whether she's gonna stick with her own identity as a Stark or whether she's gonna become a nobody or no one, uh, and we all knew she was gonna become you know she was gonna stick with her own personality, and Needle did uh, solidify that. But you're right, if they would have just she would have turned off the light and we would have just had a black screen and then you heard in a whisper. The tickler, the the, tickler, the, uh, hound, the tickler's the done, hound, I guess. The, well, the hound's not on the list anymore anymore. But still, yeah. if she would have went. To, if she would have just whispered a couple of lines from her list. I would have been like, "Fuck yes, bring it on!" Yeah, and you know, I, I I had that thought when I was watching it, and then somebody I read on somebody on Reddit also suggested if that was the the last scene of the episode. This episode would have been probably ten times better, right? And that and that just shows you about story. That's that that that, that's a big lesson. And if you're out there, uh, take it from me, an expert in storytelling. If you're gonna do (laughs) storytelling, it has more to do with character development and these huge, uh, meaningful moments for people. Uh, It's all about people. 
and and characters and whether we care for them. And this show ends in a very hollow fucking idiotic moment that we've seen a dozen different ways already you're right we've seen it a million different times uh but if we would have ended with aria there i'd have been like fuck yeah and if if the music would have came in dun 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 dun, after she said you know queen cersei you know the mountains i'd have been like she's coming for him because guess what she has no fucking reason to stay in bravos anymore and Uh, the last if the last word was the waif oh my god i would have just had a fucking rage boner right there that'd been great Sure, like you didn't already. I definitely so, had one. <laughs> the, one of the theories I, I saw online, and th- this again is not my original theory, is some people think that once Arya kills the waif, she is going to end up taking him or taking the waif back to Jack and Agar because there has to be a face added to the wall either way. I don't know if I buy into that. I think she's completely rogue at this point, but. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I I'm on board with that theory into the uh, up into the point where she has Arya Stark has to learn how to put on other people's faces. Yes. Period. Like uh, she might be done with the faceless men, but she doesn't know how to change her face. And right. she needs. The, they're not going to introduce that method without having her do it. She hasn't done it yet. Um. Even in the book, before much of this, we're ahead of the books in a lot of respects, but they turn Arya into somebody called the ugly little girl, and it's the first time they put somebody else's face on her, and she she doesn't know how to do it, but it's at least done to her. So I feel like before we can leave Bravos, uh, she has to know how to put on somebody else's face. She has to be able to take her face off. Uh, yeah, I want her to take her face off. Once and, again, and, go see Face My last note for this scene was, just once again, the the, the faceless men are just garbage people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's their... I, I, don't, I don't understand the faceless men still. I yes. don't understand what they're doing. Besides being badass assassins, they, they don't seem to have any real code besides, you know, if you, if you pay enough money, you can have an assassination. Yeah, I think that's about the extent of it. Which doesn't seem like it's a very deep uh, thing. Except that if that wasn't the case, then obviously Arya would still be with them and then she wouldn't be a part of the end game. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so then we're off to uh, King's Landing again and we get this uh, nice scene of Jamie and Mace Tyrell rolling up uh, with, a, with an army. But before they get on uh, to the church... Mace Tyrell, who's having his horse led by a dude and who's all dressed up in this finery. With looks feathers. like a peacock. Yeah, looks like a peacock. Looks like a bad motherfucker. Somebody you don't want to mess with. But he gives this like long, drawn-out speech of how you know the tyranny of the church will not stand and lunacy ends today. Um, and you see Jamie rolling his eyes. Once again, a humorous moment. Not really funny. But, uh, you know, it's fine. I- I'm a big <laughs> fan of Mace Tyrell. I want him in the episode all the time because he's, he's just entertaining. Um, but So then they proceed to uh, interrupt the Heil Sparrow um, talking about how he's going to make uh, Large Marge do the Walk of Atonement. And um, Jamie, Mace, and their army roll up. And I uh, forgive me if... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but there's a huge crowd gathered in what looks like a courtyard at the bottom of the sept, 
when uh, Marge is brought out and they're about to do this Walk of Atonement. I didn't think that was the same set from Cersei's Walk of Atonement, just, you know, the end of last season. I don't know. Yeah, it, it does. did not look familiar, but Yeah, because I, I don't didn't recall. Cersei start her walk through, like, an alley? Uh, it's been so long. Maybe there's I, a I front door yeah. and a back door. I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, Jamie breaks this shit up and is like, hey, we're here for Marge, Large Marge, and Loris. Uh, give them up or we'll be forced to use violence. And the High Sparrow says, any one of us are willing to die. We crave it or something crazy like that. Yeah, they, they, they yearn for death. They, yeah. It's at God's service. Yeah, and then, but hey, there's no cause for that today. There will not be a Walk of Atonement. And Jamie and uh, for some reason, Elena rolls up in her little, like, I don't know, um, servant cart. I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, the litter. And you know what? I, I, I thought, what the hell is that about? Because there's about to be a battle here. Yeah. What and my only guess there? is that they were there so that she could take uh, Marjorie and put her in, in like this thing to get her out of there. That's giving the show a lot of credit. I think she's there just to show her reaction from a, <laughs> okay. a from a narrative yeah. point of view. So, uh, so uh, yeah, the Hales, Hale Sparrow says there won't be any walk of atonement. Uh, and not actually, because you guys, we, all right, go ahead. Before we get into this. So what my question was, is I thought that the Lannisters were going to stay out of this thing and just let Mace Tyrell roll through there in order to kind of keep the Lannisters out of the, you know, out of the controversy between the, the, the faith militant and the Tyrells. Like, you know, I thought they were trying to set up the Tyrells as a, as a fall guy and also to destroy the faith militant. But then Jamie's the one who's in the middle of the shit. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Okay, okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. No, it definitely I does not. I mean, yeah, that, that was the whole point of the alliance with the Tyrells, right? Is uh, you know, Kevin Lannister, who's the hand of the king, would uh, not do anything, and you know, uh, Jamie could have easily been dressed up like a Tyrell uh, infantryman, or or just not been involved, or just not been involved at all. You're absolutely right, but uh, but whatever. The show's dumb. Uh, we'll have one of our. I'm going to continue one of my famous Doug rants uh, at the end of this because it has to do with Jamie. But um, so uh, yeah, the How Sparrow says, uh, yeah, there will not be a Walk of Atonement, and everybody's like, oh goddamn, I want to see your boobies. Um, he said because Marge, Large Marge, actually did us a favor and brought somebody to the seven, and they open the door, and this really staged situation. Uh, Tom comes out with his Kingsguard, and I immediately thought, "What? Who the fuck are these guys in the Kingsguard?" <laughs> Number one, yes. uh, who's in the Kingsguard? The only people we know that are in the Kingsguard were Marin Trant, dead. Jamie, who's the head? He is the head. He is the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. And uh, Robert Strong, the Mountain, as they're referring to him, the animated corpse of uh, uh, Gregor Clegane. Um, so how does Jamie not know what the rest, his, his fucking employees are doing? Uh, they're guarding Tommen. How does he know, not know that they're, you know, off doing this? So Tommen comes out and he's been turned supposedly by large Marge, who once again, I think you're right. She's not fully on board, but I assume she was on board to save her brother. I don't know if she's doing any more trickery, but it seems like she, with her help, her and the Heil Sparrow turned uh, Tommen, and now he's all about them, and he's a born-again 
uh, Westeros Baptist Church member. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And so th- a couple of thoughts about this. First, I wrote down three lines in a row in my notes because of dumbass Tommen. <laughs> I didn't realize I did it until afterward. Awesome. Um, but I think it's because Marjorie, and maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but I think that she, Marjorie Tyrell, realizes that this is the easy way to to cause a complete divide between Tommen and Cersei. Because she won't have control over Tom until Cersei is out of the picture. You're right, but that's a ballsy move to say, hey, I'm in a fucking dungeon. How can I not only... I'd be worried if I was a master tactician, you would think I'd be worried about just not getting killed. She is... You're you're proposing that she is not only... She's not worried about getting killed. She wants to get out of jail and hurt Cersei and hurt his her control over Tom. Yeah, because this is a way for her to get out of jail... It's a way for her to take over Tommen. Uh, I mean, I think she's manipulating Tommen, who is at the same time being manipulated by the High Sparrow. Right, but, but where, I mean, my point would be, where, where is Cersei's manipulation of Tommen? We don't see it. No, or, it's, or it's really not, really not happening, which I'm upset no, about. It's, I guess that Tommen is that malleable. I, I think it's still an explanation. Yeah, but you would think Cersei would try to put her control in somehow. And we saw a couple of scenes of her... But we've seen way more scenes of the High Sparrow uh, twittering in his ear. So, but yeah. once again, Large Marge does control the one commodity that his mom can't, you know, give him. Yeah. Well, maybe in that family she can. But um, <laughs> you just thought the exact same thing. <laughs> right there, you go. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it just seems a little bit too neat and easy. The High Sparrow is you know giving Jamie the stink eye like yeah motherfucker. Oh, I thought that was this. hilarious. The, the High Sparrow smile. I mean, it looked like he was on, on some kind of hallucinogenic drugs. Or I mean, he just so like... <laughs> and Jamie, double rainbow. It was hilarious how... Exactly, double rainbow. It was funny how Jamie rode the horse up the, the steps trying to look... I thought that was... Badass. By the way, I thought that was badass. Like, I was looking, yeah. is that the actor? And then once again, I was... Then I said, I go, that's impressive. But then I was like, wait a minute. They could have just digitized his face onto somebody else riding a horse up uh, the stairs. But regardless, somebody only using one arm rode a horse, galloped a horse up a huge flight of stairs, and I thought it was impressive looking. So, and then he them. rides up there and makes these demands, and he looks like a complete punk in front of the, the High Sparrow because yeah. he just sat there going like, "What's going on here? I don't understand." Here we go, uh, Doug Rant coming up. I wow. hate how many Doug rants is this so far? This is this is the the only one. This is the main one, let's say. And I okay. alluded to this earlier. I hate Jamie's character in the Jamie character assassination that's going on in this show. <laughs> Jamie's character uh was interesting in the fucking books because he was a piece of shit and he began a path of redemption that started with him losing his hand and his experience with Brienne of Tarth. Brienne of Tarth actually saved him uh, in a come to Jesus moment. And he actually turned around and saved her, decided to be a good person. And this has led to a schism between him and his twin Seth sister. And in the show, they've chosen not to do this. And it's made me very upset. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Jamie. Uh, again, I think I've, I've gone on this rant. This is probably a repeat of another Doug rant, but what the fuck are they doing with Jamie? He's just impotent. Again, this is just showing him, being what he seems to be on the surface, a guy who doesn't, uh, who's lost his sword hand and is incredibly ineffectual at everything he does, from Dorne to uh, losing Marcella 
uh, to now, it just seems like he's failing left and right, not redeeming, not becoming a better person, and it's just boring. It's a waste. Um, response to my Doug rant? Well, I don't think you can call it a repeat if it's the third time that you've said that. Well, a three-peat. Well, I can't <laughs> three say that. That's, there you co- go. that's copyright. Uh-oh. And don't, don't let us know that we're getting ready Happy to rumble. Happy birthday. No, no. The Hill Sisters are out. They're done. You oh, are say, they? Yeah, yeah. I think the Happy Birthday song was actually published prior to the Hill Sisters copyright. Oh, so now we can say it. Uh, now I can have the people at Ruby Tuesdays sing that instead of whatever. Yes, Happy, Happy Birthday. We still can't say that somebody's ready to rumble thanks to the buffer assholes. Oh, Jesus. But anyways, um, so then we see uh, the the end of that scene is, and I do agree that, that Jamie's uh, taking a detour from the books quite a bit. And, and, not, and not a good detour or like a... Uh, um, um, neutral detour. I think it's a bad detour. Yeah. I think he's just like a storytelling device now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the point is or where, where why it's going that way. I really don't. Regardless. So, so the end of the scene is Mace Tyrell asking what's happening. <laughs> the queen of thorns says something along the lines of he's beating us. Yeah. Uh, which he is. He absolutely, absolutely is. So it cuts to the uh, to a scene with Jamie and Cersei where uh, Jamie is removing... Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It cuts to the throne room, actually. And Jamie oh, is yeah. removing his armor, and he's being, I guess, defrocked as one of the Kingsguard. <laughs> so then we cut to the throne room, and Jamie is removing his armor, and uh, basically uh, Tommen is, is uh, stripping him of his uh, Kingsguard uh, position it's because when you attack the faith, you attack the crown. And um, I guess he's just been kicked off the Kingsguard and they don't really say what's going to happen in that scene, but um, it was, you could see the contempt in Jamie's eyes because Tommen wasn't shit. And Tommen's a little idiot, you know, Plus, he's his fucking dad. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Does Tommen know that he's his no, dad? Uh, only yeah. Marcella knew somehow intuitively or, He's like, I always knew some bullshit. Anyway, yeah. Tommen has no idea that he's his dad. He's a clueless imbecile. Him and which the is, idiot tit fucker would get along real well, I feel. Which is fun. Well, it's the idiot tit sucker, not the idiot tit fucker. Tit, did I say tit fucker? <laughs> yes, you did. That's a Freudian slip, guys. Yeah, he just got <laughs> back from vacation. Um, <laughs> no, um, it's funny. And I, and I don't know if we're... I mean, I, a lot of times when I was looking at Jamie in this scene... I was thinking he wants to just yell at him. I'm your dad. You do what the fuck I say. Yeah. <laughs> but I did like his one line. And uh, once again, this is, I don't want to criticize this for not having good dialogue uh, writing, but Jamie says, I, I can't disobey the gods. He's like, you can when you sit in that chair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was such a great point too. It's just like, this is the whole point of having a king is he is the ruler. He is, he can do whatever he wants. And right. you know, and and then I guess the counter argument is, well, no one's above God, but I mean that's bullshit because in in day to day it doesn't matter what bullshit God you believe in. Uh, if you kill somebody, it doesn't matter if God told you to do it. You're gonna fucking go to jail. Uh, I guess it matters if enough people believe your crazy fucking uh, view of God that they make the laws to reflect that. But really, as the king, you're above everything. Right. Yes. So I, I I just like that moment. Like Jamie was trying to give him advice, and Kevin Lannister, the hand of the king, was there but didn't say anything. Yeah, um, I don't understand. That would seem. I don't understand that either. 
Kevin was out for revenge too because his stupid ass son is one of the original uh, faith militant. Right, and he stood there doing nothing, being a fucking yes. idiot. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on with that. But that's that's where we uh, leave Jamie, and then we're off to the twins, the sexiest, yes. the sexiest place in all oh, of Westeros. Oh yeah. So we get Walter. You Fl- know, you know Walter Frey Fox. You know that. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't pull out. There's no way. All those kids. <laughs> so, uh, so there's two of Walter's sons or grandsons. I don't know. Some some dipshit underlings. They look like the they look like the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny <laughs> yeah. in Philadelphia. The whole the whole Walter Frey clan is the McBoyles from yes uh, from It's Always Mc- Sunny. Can we call them the McFrays? Or <laughs> that might be confusing. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, that's a first draft. We'll get back to you. But, uh, but, but a couple of underlings are explaining to Walter Frey how they lost River Run. He's like, what do you mean you lost it? <laughs> and, it's not a sheep. And I, <laughs> it's not a sheep. But then they go to the well again. And if I had a chance to do another Doug Rant, I'd go off again because they said, well, he knows that castle better than anybody. <laughs> That's the same shitty storytelling trope they use with Ramsey for how he was able to sneak 20 good men 20 into good goddamn yes. San, uh, Stannis's camp. It was just like, well, he's fr- they're from the north. They know the land better. That is such like a bullshit spackle uh, storytelling. Like they talk about flashbacks being a bullshit storytelling device. Well, fuck it. I'm not going to go off any further. Well, you know, but but to, to, in their defense, though, they do when Walder continues on with the scene and he asks, you know, you you have enough people, you have certain multiple number of people that the Blackfish has. Um, they respond that all these other houses are also popping up. So it sounds like he actually had numbers and does know the land. I don't think this was like a Ramsey, 20 people can murder an entire army, you know, kind of thing. No, but he could have said, oh, he took the castle by guile. And it would have left you going, well, I wonder what he did there. And your imagination would have spinning. And I would have thought been he brought enough. in the character from Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah, he did like a, yeah. a, a kick where he went all the way around. And create yeah, a sonic boom. Yeah. Oh shit! Whirly bird kick. I didn't even think about that. We still have not seen the whirly bird. I, no, we haven't. I, I will say that we're on whirly bird uh, watch uh, week three right now. <laughs> I guarantee bird it's going to happen. <laughs> sure. But, but regardless, we have uh, Walter Frey just being uh, you know reprehensible piece of crap. He slaps a, a scared young girl who can't be more than like eleven or twelve and makes I, makes I'm her sit that- on his lap. I think that's probably his newest wife. He right. Uh, he was supposed to take a new wife on his ninetieth name day. I yeah. think it was one of the the threads. And I feel like yeah, this this is in the uh, the books as well. But I feel like this is D and D's like, oh yeah, this is what we're gonna have. We're gonna have. We're gonna have Walter Frey. You know, uh, he's gonna be standing next to a young girl, and uh, yeah, he gets excited and he just slaps her on the ass, and then. Uh, that's a good Don Don DeMello impersonation that you're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And if who doesn't know that, uh, Andy Daly, uh, the comedian <laughs> improviser, does an amazing character named Don DeMello. Who's basically an old <laughs> creep. Yes. But essentially, Walter, Bring out the girls. Yeah, Walter Frey is molesting this little girl right in front of us, and it's just very uncomfortable. And I think it's just part of D&D's thing. Uh, but... Uh, and I feel like it, they're doing that too to make Walter F- Frey even more despicable, so that we're okay with his, uh, I hope, impending death. Um, yeah, it's coming. 
But I feel like it's it's shorthand, just what they did with uh, what was the uh, Kingsguard guy that Arya killed? Uh, Marin Trant. So Marin Trant, it wasn't good enough that Marin Trant was a piece of crap that slapped around Sansa and killed, uh, presumably killed Serio Pharrell. But they had to make him a pedophile, and you know, <laughs> just so you know, he deserves death. And I feel like that's what they're doing with Walter Frey here. Um, but uh, you know, he basically says. The Blackfish, you know, even though other, you know, small houses have rebuilt against us, uh, we got this because we have the Blackfish's nephew. And they wheel out um, whatever that guy's name is. I can't remember. Ed Muir. Why did I forget that? What? Ed Muir. Muir? M-U-R-E? Muir? Muir on the wall? M-U-R-E? Okay. So Ed Muir. They bring him out, and uh, yeah, he looks disheveled, but uh, no worse for wears, but he says you're going home, which uh, who knows what that means. I guess they're going to use him as a bargaining chip, obviously, but uh, are they going to kill him? I don't know. We've, I guess we'll learn shortly. Yeah, that actually, that, so that two of the questions that were left after the Red Wedding were, what happened to Blackfish? Because right before um, the actual... Uh, they started murdering everybody. Blackfish went out to go use the restroom and Edmure was let out as part of the betting ceremonies. And so, Doug, I think for people who don't know much about the Blackfish, this might be an opportunity for you to provide a little bit of background on the Blackfish. All right. All you need to know on the Blackfish, he's Catelyn Starks. You remember her. She got her throat slip slit at the uh, red warning. This is what Ned's wife, Rob's mother, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ned's wife. Let's relate her to, uh, her role, uh, to a patriarch. Ned's wife, um, her uncle, um, was the black sheep, but because their sigil is the fish of River Run, he's been known as the black fish. Now, rumor has it he, uh, the reason he's the black sheep is because he would never, uh, fulfill any marriage alliances that were proposed to him leading a lot of people to consider him to be a gay character, a strong gay character, but that's not confirmed or it really doesn't make any uh, ma- uh, matter. It doesn't really matter because the guy's a, he's just a badass. Um, and he was introduced in season two or three, whenever they introduced the phrase. And he was the guy that uh, set um, the Lord of Winter, uh, River Run's uh, pyre, on fire when yes. he was in the, floating when, in the river. When Edmure couldn't hit the uh, pyre with the arrow. Is it Edmure? Edmure? Mure? And when Mure? Edmure couldn't set the, uh, yeah, the canoe on fire. Yes. Um, <laughs> I saw a great meme that just said, that showed uh, the blackfish, and it just said, fucking noobs. Because <laughs> he takes the arrow out of Edmure's hands and just nails it on the first shot and doesn't even look at it. He just Steph Curry's it. Yes. And uh, drains it. So that's uh, the Blackfire. He's, you know, a rogue badass who's related to the Starks by marriage. Um, I'm hoping we see him again. It looks like we will from the coming attractions for next week. Um, yes, because the the Frey, uh, the Frey McPoyles discuss how he's been rallying the houses around there. And it's also there's other there's other entities that are now involved, like the Brothers Without Banners, which, of course, Brings up the question of why the world is see Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, which we're all hoping. And should I, yeah, for the, the show watchers, Lady Stoneheart is Catelyn Stark. You know, once again, Ned's wife, <laughs> reanimated by uh, 
Beric Dondarrion's man, Thoros of Mir. Yes. Um, but it doesn't make it doesn't make as much sense to introduce Lady Stoneheart now. I mean, I guess it does because we're talking about the Riverlands, but she was really just another example of resurrection in the show leading up to the most meaningful resurrection, which is Jon Snow's resurrection, which hasn't happened in the books. But whatever. Uh, it would be jarring if she appeared, but we've talked about this before. So let's move on to uh, Cersei and Jamie are in uh, some sort of private chambers and uh, Jamie is discussing how he was being sent to the Riverland to join or to lead an army to take to basically take back River Run from the Blackfish because the Freys are not able to do it himself. He says he's not going to do it. He says he's going to uh, hire Bronn and give him the giant gold, a giant bag of gold and send the best killers in and kill everyone in the Sept. And Cersei says that he can't do that because he'll end up being killed. But it didn't make sense because if he's just hiring cell swords, how would his life be at risk? Right, if he didn't go in himself, which it says he wanted to do. I mean, just convince him to go not go in himself. And yes. the mention of Bronn got me excited. I was like, yes, bring Bronn back. Yeah, I mean, Bronn's the best. Bronn is the Second best. Second best after Davos. Yeah, yeah, bring him in. Just bring him in. It doesn't matter. Let him just, I don't know, Bronn, dance for us. Okay, well, here you go. <laughs> I mean, I'd enjoy it. Uh, sure. But uh, they mentioned his name. I'm hoping he comes back, but I doubt it. Um, I, oh, he, Bronn will be back. I don't think there's any question. Uh, he might be back in the next season, but you know how they sign these people. It's a whole deal. They got to, you know, those oh, contracts. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cersei convinces him not to do it and just follow orders. Uh, and I'm, and he's like, well, your trial is coming up. And he's uh, and she's like, it's trial by combat. Yes. Fucking, uh, you know, (laughs) limp, uh, no hand having motherfucker. (laughs) You can't help. Uh, I've got the mountain. No big deal. I got this in the bag. Um, and she says that she will make her enemies pay or the enemies of house Lannister pay without mercy. I'm thinking we haven't seen much of that. No, and in fact, I wrote down everything she's done has failed. Yeah, and she's terrible at this, right? And that really got me uh, depressed because I don't know if you remember at the beginning of this season, I said when Marcella came back, I was like, "This is gonna after her walk of atonement and Marcella dying, I feel like Cersei was gonna go to another level of crazy hate rage, and it just yes. hasn't happened, or we haven't seen it really happen." She hasn't unleashed uh, the mountain, and she will. I mean, according to the season uh, six previews, um, we're hoping that uh, Robert Strong or the mountain, as they're referring to him, uh, will go around and just wreck shit and smash. Um, so far, the only smash he's done is that one guy who hung Dong. Just one guy. Yeah. With a with a very large prosthetic penis. Yes. Well, you don't know that. It could be real. Yeah, you don't. I don't know. Now, this scene really highlighted to me how she has tried to, out of all the people who are scheming, she's probably one of the worst schemers. She's lost. uh, She enabled or armed the faith militant. She's lost Tommen. She's destroying Jamie. She's lost her daughter. She lost Joffrey. I mean, what has she done right? And she's also one of these people who thinks she's great because of her family name and she's one of the worst of the offenders as far as like the entitled offenders i, I you know i I'm, I'm not i'm really not enamored with her character where that character yeah, is a lot of people are saying they they've lost all interest in uh king's landing because they took away any likable characters you don't have Tyrion, you don't have fucking berries 
You no. don't have uh, Sansa anymore. You don't have anybody that we care remotely about. And Jamie, you ruined by not making him a sympathetic, redemptive character. So uh, I don't know what's happening with King's Landing, but yeah, I don't really care. Like the Tyrells could all die. That's fine. I want the Faith Militant to get killed, but I'm not rooting for anybody in King's Landing right now. No, no. Right? I agree. I agree. So then we go back to Ben Hands, and he's juicing a rabbit. And um, Mira asks what he's doing there, and he says that the Three-Eyed Raven sent him. And Mira responds, he's dead. And, of course, Benjen says, and now he lives again. Presumably, Bran is now the Three-Eyed Raven. And they, they, the, the end of the show recap thing discusses a little bit where D&D said that there's a part of Bran that is no longer human. It's the Three-Eyed Raven. I'm still not entirely sure what that means. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's coming across. It's just like John. If John's changed, they should have shown it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all suspected that when Jon Snow got resurrected, he'd be less human or more fucked up or more changed by experience, and he seems to be just fine as of now. And Bran has given no inkling that he's another person or wiser or anything. There doesn't seem that, yeah, there's no physical manifestation of a change. Right. And you can't really tell. I mean, maybe it's coming because he's still jacking into the tree matrix and downloading all the information. But but I assume you know, that was done when he woke up from his little nap with the, uh, uh, the white eyes. Yeah, that's entirely possible. So Bran awakes and uh, Benjen reveals who he is and then gives him the rabbit juice. And um, Benjen explains his origin story, which is that he was stabbed by a White Walker while outraging as part of the um, as part of the uh, the Brotherhood or what's the the Night's Watch the Night's Watch. So I didn't like that explanation because he said we went work looking for night or for White Walkers. No, that's bullshit. When he went out, no one knew that White Walkers were a thing. They were investigating why other Black Brothers had. Uh, disappeared like the guys that were in the very first scene of the very first episode they went out trying to find out why the wildlings were disappearing and they themselves got killed by white walkers. oh yeah yeah so, so nobody knew that the white walkers were around when benjamin stark disappeared um so it, it was just a little bit of a i guess i'll say it's a, a continuity error uh I'll go on yeah. them but uh regardless this this scene just it, it brought up so many more questions than it did answered. Um, yes, because the three-eyed... Benjen explains that the three-eyed raven sent him and he was saved by the children of the forest. So what are his connections to these magical entities that are no longer around? Well, he says that he went looking for the White Walkers. All his yes. party died and he got uh, stabbed in the gut by an ice blade and he didn't turn into a zombie because of the intervention of the children. And he says, well, how did that happen? He's like, well, you saw it yourself, the same way they created the Night's King. Uh, So they stuck a piece of dragon glass in your heart. What? Why? why, Okay, so they did that. Why aren't you uh, the Night's King? Why aren't you a White Walker at the very least? What the fuck happened that they can now put dragon glass into people's hearts and not make them turn? It's just very confusing, and you're like, okay... So they yes. saved his life by stabbing him in the heart, and then somehow magically something different besides the uh, what happened last time they did that with the person on screen. It just brought up so many questions. I I, I don't it, know. It's, what to, uh, yeah, it's just it's them trying to. It's uh, the D and D trying to 
condense down storylines in order to move the thing forward. So, I mean, it's a it's an easy explanation that just doesn't have any make any a lot of sense. No, it doesn't more than not anything. No, and so uh, Benjen tells Brand that they're going to meet the Knights King at the Wall, and he'll know what to do at that time. And again, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Yeah, and once again, Brand says, uh, "You know, I can't control it." And he says, "Well, you must learn to control it." And I, I wrote down, "What the fuck is it?" Because I mean, the three-eyed raven, I guess, has a bunch of powers, but the only real powers we saw that Brand exercised was looking back in time. So, is he going to be the world's best librarian who's read all the books in the library? No, he's totally going to own trivia. <laughs> That's what it is. Pub, yes. pub trivia. He's going to own yes. it every night of the week. Just He'd have stacks and stacks of bar credit. Yeah. Drink for free and have all sorts of like t-shirt swag. That's yes. it. Uh, but like this, this scene alone made me angry. Uh, and just like, wow, this, this introduced more questions than answers. And I'm very upset. And then it gets worse by the next scene. Do you have anything before going to the next scene? Uh, no, I do not. All right, so then we're off to the middle of desert town. Uh, Danny is having a meaningless conversation with Dario as they trot along. It just goes on about how he says basically what I said before. Danny's not a ruler. She she can't control people. She's not a politician. She's just a conqueror, and Dario's an idiot, so it doesn't sound great coming out of his mouth, but I totally agree with the sentiment. And then once again, there's this weird stage thing where... Danny has, I guess, a feeling or, I don't know, some kind of mind meld. And she's like, wait here, I'll be back. And she disappears for way too long. Dario and the rest of the Kalasar are just looking around, getting bored. Um, and then you hear uh, dragon noises. And oh, and it just happens to be at the exact moment that Dario was going to go look for her. Yeah, and I guess was I don't know if that was supposed to be comedic as well or cuz he said the same thing to the Dothrakis as she said to him. Um but- and you know we'll note that they uh they <laughs> one of the pointless discussions that they had was the number of ships required for the Dothraki to cross the sea. Uh, hey, I don't know a about thousand. a thousand. Now, I understand that's, you know, a good round number. But I think that we are being slapped in the face. Yeah, it's with, a little bit too yeah. on the nose. It's just it's yes. questioning the uh, the intelligence of the viewer to a point where, you know, people that are that dumb aren't even watching the show. They're not going <laughs> to they're watching like King of Queens reruns or I don't know or uh, whatever, whatever's on right now. <laughs> Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly. I don't know. So. So, yeah, they're slapping people in the face with it. Uh, yes. But yeah, so she runs off and I guess presumably enough time to her for her to to find Drogon and ride him and she makes this grand entrance and it's all really staged and she she makes this presidential but besides I wrote down the size of the dragon was really fucking odd and the scale was really weird because those mountains weren't really mountains they were hills but it looked mm-hmm. like Drogon was goddamn Godzilla drive riding around out there I just thought it looked I mean he might have still been growing big. but the thing that struck me about it is I think horses are notoriously skittish. Yeah. Every fucking they definitely horse going are. bananas. Every yes. horse around there would but whatever. That's that's a minor thing. I'm not gonna uh, I won't I won't harp on that, I guess. And I don't think any of her Kalasar has seen a dragon so far. No, no, I guess be losing there, could their have shit. Been, there could have been a few remnants, but the people that stuck around to see the dragons born stuck with her. Uh, so, they'd be in Marine at this time. Right. They would they stuck with her and they'd be in Marine because she disappeared by herself. 
But uh, so she shows up and she gives a presidential stump speech and she says, well, you know, uh, you know, candidates are supposed to choose three blood riders. But guess what? You're all my blood riders. And I, I wrote down, that's like a fucking president uh, on the campaign trail going, you know what? I They told me I had to choose a vice president. And I said, fuck you. Everybody here is my vice president. You're my <laughs> vice president. And you're my vice president. It's just stupid. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Yes. Uh, and Danny then goes on to repeat the Cal Drogo speech um, from, or parts of it from uh, season one. We're talking about crossing the sea, the salt sea, and killing the men in the iron suits. And I wrote down, I was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. But I remember there was some fucked up things about it. So I went back. Here's the research. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch a flashback and frame by frame it, but I will go back to season one after consulting the internet and finding out where it was, the minute marker. Here is Cal Drogo's speech from season one, and a lot of this was echoed by um, Danny. I will take my Kalasar West to where the world ends and ride wooden horses across the black salt water, as no Cal has done before. Yeah, okay. I will kill the man, the men in the iron suits and tear down their stone houses. Okay, this is pretty much what Danny said. Then he goes on, I will rape their women, take their children as slaves, <laughs> and bring their broken gods back to Dothrax. Do- do- uh, and I was like, yeah, I knew something was missing from that speech. Why didn't she mention the raping of the women and the uh, uh, bringing the children into slavery? This is weird. Well, if if an, I might be off on the timing of the first couple of episodes, but I think it was after that speech when she began uh, taking sympathy with the villages that they were pillaging. Yeah, you're right. I guess, yeah. but at the same time, if you're gonna, it's like saying like, I'm gonna read you a speech from Hitler, but I'm leave all the leave out all the Jew stuff because yes, I went they, to she's, I went she's to, whitewashing history, no question. Yeah, I went to a you know Briss, and it was kind of cool, you know. Yes, but everything about everything else that Hitler said, you know, was applies here. It's just it's it's a whitewashing of history, and um, I don't think it. Uh, it was I was taken out of the moment. Besides the fact that the whole scene was so staged and so meaningless and so fucking hollow, it was another hollow scene. Just like when she came out of that burning tent or burning hut a couple episodes back. Yes, how many episodes end with her declaring that she is the princess of the world? Yeah, it's just, we're over, at least I am. I'm sick of it. Yeah, they, 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 her character more than anything was one of the better characters to start the show. But she just continues to spin her wheels, it seems like. Yeah, and they're just dragging this out. What has happened? Nothing has happened here. What happens no, in no, the scene? Listen, the, the, the point of the scene was that now the, the Drogon is in her control, and she is able to bring him... I guess, I guess I, it's just to show that she is in control of Drogon, and then also to reaffirm her power with her Kalasar. But the whole Kalasar that she has behind her makes almost no sense whatsoever. Because what she did is she's the foreigner, showed up, burned all their leaders, and then walked out naked and suddenly is in charge of everyone. It doesn't make sense in what we know about the Dothrakis. And the, the Dothrakis are very suspicious of magic, and they are our complete patriarchy. So what is the two things she's got going for? It's, it's strength. It's I, I, The only thing you can yeah. say is it's strength. But at the same time, they're already on board. 
all these yeah. motherfuckers riding through the desert are already on board because she survived being roasted alive in that goddamn hut. So this this scene really doesn't do much to propel past that point. Um, Other than now she she's shown now them. she yeah she shows she them I do have a dragon. So not only am I flame retardant, I I can ride a dragon. Yes, and she but the pro I just I don't like her because she has no plan, and this goes back to the she conquers and doesn't rule. Yeah, everything that she's done is turned into shit eventually. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't, she, like, she says she wants to break the wheel, but guess what's gonna, like, that can't be the, that's like, that's like a punk rock kid saying, well, you know, fuck the establishment, I want to bring it down. Well, then what? You can't, and it's even people that want to bring about the end of the world. I, I guess there's a scenario where everything in the world dies, all people, but no, guess what's gonna happen? You're not gonna kill everyone society will rise up and there'll be the same factions and the same, uh, you know, corruption and in equities that existed the, throughout all of time. Uh, it's just, she doesn't have a plan for what comes next. And it really bothers me that they keep bringing this up. Like it's a very empowering moment. You know, there's, I, I don't pay attention. I didn't pay attention to the music, but I'm sure there's this really uplifting. It's the same, like it's the same music. I'm sure it was meant to be uplifting and impactful and it just rings hollow and fake and just weak. It's just weak fucking sauce. Get that shit out of here. Uh, and then just picture me going up and just slapping a, a basketball hoop or a basketball going into hoop away. Just saying, get that weak shit out of here. Yeah, oh no, you're a huge basketball fan, it sounds like. <laughs> just like a uh, basketball ring. Just like Cruz, Cruz. Exactly. <laughs> you wanted to come in Matumbo her. Get that shit out of here. No, it, 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 and this was the end. The note that they ended on in the show was a note that has been played so many yeah, times. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a note no we've seen anymore. so many times. She's the greatest. I got it. But she actually is terrible. And there's so many questions about taking the Dothraki over to Westeros. I, I mean, it's silly. I, I, but I, obviously, I, we know how many how many ships do I need? A thousand? a thousand. Hey, wait. Well, then where, let me think. Whenever have I heard a thousand ships? Oh, was it just last fucking episode when the Ironborn said that same fucking number about their ships? It's just, it's, it's just. What is she gonna do when she gets over there and tries to go to Winterfell and it's cold as shit and all those guys are just wearing leather vests like their motorcycle gang? It's preposterous. I mean, and and let's face it, how would the Dothraki break down a castle in a siege? They wouldn't. I they mean, can't. I understand they, that they're the fiercest, but I don't think that they have right. A, if the enemy met weapons. them, yeah, exactly. If the enemy met them on the field, yeah, the Dothraki might be able to clean up. But if the enemy went into their goddamn castles, it's over. They, they yeah. as long as uh, they they could starve them out, maybe wait outside. But that's you just need people from that. You just need warm bodies. You don't really need the fiercest warriors in the world to uh, outlast the siege. So it's yeah. just very. Uh, and how are they going to deal with 20 good men from Ramsey? Oh, geez. I mean, you don't know how much he he knows that terrain. <laughs> exactly. All right, so so that's this this episode and I I agree that's it's it was just like two episodes ago um in which they ended with uh Danny uh walking out of the hut and I just I was left with a really uh Hollow many, and uncomfortable. They, they played this again. They play the same note 
to in these episodes so many times. And it, it, th- this one was even the most striking out of all of them where it, it didn't do anything. Yeah, I, didn't at least, anything. I, I agree with you. At least when Danny uh, uh, left the Calazar or left the, I'm sorry, she killed, burned all the cows and she left the tent or the hut. I felt like at least that was impactful because she, that was showing her gathering the entire Dothraki people behind her. This was nothing. It was just a pep rally. Yes. That's yes. all it was, a fucking pep Agreed rally. With you. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, so and just I, I want to do a, a temperature check. I was at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, the whole reason I started this podcast because I really didn't enjoy last season and I thought it was going downhill. Other they, than hard home. Yeah, other than hard home. You have home, to get hard home at Yeah, still. great. It was it was fine. But uh son of a but uh, the season started out better than expected. I actually enjoyed the first three or four episodes of the season. Uh, no, three and part of the fourth. But really, it's it's they seem to be losing me. So I hope they get back on track. Uh, how are your projections for the future? I mean, I think this is a a, a table setting episode, like we discussed in the beginning. Right. As as like slow. Action-wise, as this episode was, I do think it is setting up new intrigue and it's setting up new conflicts. I just I keep wondering of how they're going to rein all this thing in to the battle of the living versus the dead. I don't. It's very tough for me to see it if they don't cut some serious corners. I mean, I feel like they're already cutting corners, but not enough, or not in. Yeah. You know, you spend twenty minutes with Sam's family. When you got to worry about bringing all so these he, people together, yes. So he could, he could, so he in could steal a Sam. sword. Yes, uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I, I last episode with the Hodor thing, I, I wanted to say I didn't know where the show's going, and and at this point, not only do I not know, I'm starting to care less, uh, and that's not a good sign. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not giving up hope. I think they'll bring it back together. But I want to give this episode. I'm going to give it a 1.5. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, it's my lowest Whoa. score this this season. I think the lowest I had before this was three or 2.5. I don't know, but it's definitely below average. It it just wasn't. It, now, it what was, is that on a 10 point scale? That is a three. Hmm. Very interesting. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a shit sandwich. Okay, so I'm going to call that a four. Uh, and we're going to move on or at 2.0 since I use a five-point scale with a point five uh, <laughs> increments. You grade it on a curve. All right, uh, so let's talk about uh, next week's or the previews for next week's. I unfortunately don't have any notes here for next week's, but so oh, very good, why don't Doug. you go through it um, and I'll... Because I watched it at least twice, but... Uh, well, so first we see the Blackfish meeting Jamie Lannister, and uh, apparently, Jamie, from what you can glean from the scene, Jamie Lannister is telling Blackfish to give up, give it up, and Blackfish says something along the lines of, "As long as I'm alive, the the war continues." So I think that that's going to be interesting. I think that now we're going to see Blackfish in his role as a um, as a supreme commander and warrior. I guess is where we're going with that. I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, and I don't remember Blackfish being that important to the books or such a character that would suddenly lead this kind of revolution or be this critical to the no, show. No, no, in the in the books, uh, the Blackfish has been holding River Run the entire time. The phrase never took River Run. Uh, oh, okay. And it was a siege. The phrase were uh, besieging River Run, and they had Edmure Tully mm-hmm. the entire time in a noose every day they would take him out and put him in a noose and threaten to hang him and they never would. And Jamie comes in and is like, listen, you can't make a threat and not go through with it. They'll just perceive you as weak and that's what happens. But uh, it's more about Jamie um, trying to take his vow that he made to Catelyn in the, when he was released, taking the vow that I will never hurt any Stark take up arms against the Starks of the Tullys oh, yes, for the rest yes, of my yes. life. So it was more Jamie using his brain instead of his brawn to figure out how to get the castle. And he does it. He uses his smarts. He, he shows a little bit of Tyrion Lannister by, um, you know, using diplomacy and clever, uh, you know, I guess threats, uh, regardless, he, he gets the castle of river run without any bloodshed. But the Blackfish does get away. So I don't know what's going to happen in the show because, you know, they obviously don't give a shit about Jamie's character and <laughs> being a being a good person. Um, no, and I've also read a lot of people are predicting that uh, we're going to see Brienne of Tarth in River Run eventually. And it's going to be like a meeting of a number of characters. We could easily in, see Black- the fucking Veil vale Knights because the Veil vale Knights are still at um, the Neck somewhere, which isn't too far away from... The Twins or River Run, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. So a lot could happen to River Run, which is a uh, area that's been largely ignored by the show to date. Um, so then we see uh, the Queen of Thorns uh, walking in some place, and then she's speaking to uh, Cersei, and she says, uh, "And I wasn't entirely sure what was going on in the scene, but um, but she does say something along the lines of, you fucked uh, it up. Yeah, you fucked yeah. up, Donnie.'" Our house's face is collapsed due to your stupidity. Yeah. Great line. I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 And she's absolutely right. We talked about it earlier, but Cersei has been garbage. Yeah. Um, so then it goes to Sansa, and I'm not sure what she's doing exactly. She says a line along, she says a line something to the effect of, I did what I did, to, I had to to survive. And then she says something about, oh, once a Stark, always a Stark. And there was a couple of quick cuts there. There was a guy walking yeah. towards her. There was her stamping a letter. There was her with John. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get did you anything know who the from guy was? No, I have no idea, but I did notice the banners, and they were uh, House Mormont ban- banners because there was a bear, and that's Jorah yes. and uh, Eeyore, the Lord, former Lord Commander's uh, house. Yeah. So it uh, looks like that's where they are. Um, so I, I imagine it's just going to be some bullshit scenes of her gathering support, and I feel like they're going to be well, inconsequential. The Mormon is like the bear, or something or other. It's the yeah, it's they're from Bear Isle, and yes. they, their sigil is the bear. So, and, and there's like a ten year old girl that was in charge of the Bear Island. I yeah, think. I mean, in the books, yeah, uh, in the books, drink. Uh, it's so much more interesting because, yeah, the the little girl who's in charge of Bear Isle, who's their like queen or whatever, their lady apparent for the island. Uh, is just a total Stark loyalist and is just like fuck you, <laughs> you know. And then we there's also in, at some moment in the the series, and I do not recall what episode. Uh, somebody received, and it might have been a Bolton received a note from the Bear Islands, 
written in kind of childish scrawl that uh, the the Bear Islands are always loyal to the Starks. Right. And yeah. this echoes the Manderleys who have been talked about, like, I think they were talked about again this week. I don't know. But they've been talked about uh, a lot, but we haven't seen them. And they are huge Stark loyalists to the, yes. to the tune. You get this a lot. The store, the North remembers. I hope the North fucking finally remembers because we haven't seen the North has forgotten a fuckload as uh, Ramsey has been, you know, just uh, batting a thousand here in yes. the North. So hopefully the North will wake up and remember what the fuck's going on and stop his ass because we haven't seen anything to that uh, effect. And I could not figure out the context for the line. I did what I did, what I had to do to survive. I could not. I guess out that the maybe the only the context I would say is, did you have sex with Ramsey? Because what? who would? Why would they care? Unless she was carrying a child. Now, if she was carrying a child, things would get interesting. Yes. Um, uh, it would be uh, dramatically interesting. I don't know if it's going to happen. It would definitely be fucked up because she would probably try to kill the child uh, at least uh, before it was born. I don't think she would do it afterwards, but we don't know. But uh, yeah. that's the only context I can even imagine why she would have. To, she didn't do anything. She was, you know, a victim the entire time. Absolutely. So I don't know. She she so then it, could do okay, anything. All right, go. I'm sorry. So then it cuts to Yara talking to Theon, and she discusses the plans to take back the Iron Islands and then get revenge. Um, the, I, I do I, I do not understand how they're going to wrap up the Iron Islands storyline. Or do you care? No, I don't. No, you know that somebody from the Iron Islands, whether it's Theon and Yara or whether it's Euron, are going to arrive at the thousand of fucking Theon. boats. I don't think it's, it's going to be Theon. I would hope so. I mean, it would make more sense. Theon and Yara. But in the I, but in the books, Euron sends you know one of his other brothers, Victarion, to to make this ploy. So I don't know what how the show's going to handle it because Euron's not going to go there himself. No, I I don't think they're too think. far off base on the. The, the show versus the book on the Iron Islands is so different. Yeah, it's like Dorne. You can't even take it. I've made this rant that the Iron Islands are the new Dorne. Um, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what's going on there. So then we see Tormund rallying the wildlings uh, for the Bastard Bowl. Right. Uh, so yeah, he, says, he died for us. We At least if we weren't willing to do the same thing, we're cowards. Yes. Then we see a fray, presumably a fray with a knife to Edmure's throat. But there's no real explanation for that. Then we get the uh, Davos voiceover. The real fight is coming. It's between the living and the dead. And there's a couple of quotes. You see Jamie Lannister and Bronn. You see Sansa. We see Bronn? Yes. Jamie awesome. Lannister and Bronn. Yes. And then Sansa is in a field. Looks like a army camp, but you can't really tell what's going on. And I think there was one or two other things. I didn't know what the hell it was. But And that's the end. All right, so we assume that Davos is trying to just rally people to the Stark Banner. Yes, because he's one of the few people that appreciates what what's actually coming. Um, so, I mean, I think eventually he's going to be. I mean, and I don't know that I'm not certainly not coming up with any kind of novel theory here, but I think he is critical to the story moving forward, and that he refocuses people towards what the eventual battle is, which you know he did during the voiceover at the preview for the next episode. Well, I just don't, I, I just don't know what's going to happen or why it would sway me as a house, like to bring up the fact that there's a war with the dead coming. Um, you know, they say, well, we can't defend the wall 
with, while watching our backs to Ramsey, which makes a lot of sense. Yes. But at the same time, if you take the North, what are you going to do? Watch your... <laughs> we can't we can't watch the wall with King's Landing looking at our back, so are you going to go take King's Landing? Like, it seems like where does it end? So, um, I, I don't... I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense in my mind, but at the same time, who gives a shit? I, I'm not really excited for the next episode. These coming the previous for next week didn't really uh, get me hyped or at least show that any of the new things that were set up in this table setting episode were going to pay off. I feel like they're going to talk about the other, um, a lot of the other episodes that are scenes or regions that we didn't get to cover in this episode. No. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I think the next episode will probably be more of a table setting episode because we're going to, we're going to have some, obviously long stay between Blackfish and Jamie Lannister about a kind of standoff between the two. Santa, we might get more of her story. Yara, I guess we're going to see that they get to plan the revenge. Tormund's rallying people. Uh, the only action it seemed like from the, the, from the preview was one of the uh, Frey McPoyles holding a knife to Edmure's throat. I mean, I didn't see any other... Weapon being we, brandished we during the see, preview. We uh, did Jamie there as well, right? In the whole. Well, no, we saw we saw him talk to Bl- the Blackfish. So Jamie's going to be in the vicinity of presumably Edmure, uh, yes. as he's threatened because they said that Edmure's actually going there. He's like, "You're going home," so I imagine he'll yes. be at River Run as well. So all these people are going to converge. Um, yeah, but I, again, this is another preview where we didn't see a single sword be swung. The entire time. Yeah, so I hope it's not so much talky-talky, but it could easily be. I've never been more... Uh, I, I will tell you, I I'm, I'm haven't looked forward to the next episode less than right now. Yeah, I'm not sure I disagree with you. Um, I don't know. I just get bored with these table-setting episodes. I agree. I, I feel yeah. like they... they uh, and I think it's because they want to end on these holy shit moments and i will say there were no real holy shit moments or character deaths was were there any character deaths this this episode i don't think so right no there were not so that's and that's a departure we, we might see edmure next episode but i don't know yeah, that who, uh, who gives a shit it'd be like asha just bring him back to die i guess yeah yeah uh mm-hmm. so so okay so overall a disappointment once again you have my rating of 1.5 you have uh, Brian's rating of I'm gonna interpret as a two point I don't know oh that's uh, a shit sandwich shit sandwich um two point oh all right so uh, anything to be gleaned from the behind the episode nonsense uh no not 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 none whatsoever <laughs> I wrote the same thing I was like this they did awful. confirm uh, that I don't think Benjamin said he was cold hands but they did confirm in the behind the scenes that. Uh, Benjen was a uh, amalgamation of Benjen and Cold Hands. Uh, I assume so because uh, when when I saw the previews, for, even before you ruined the whole Benjen's coming back, when I saw the previews for next episode that they were being hunted and somebody was coming to their aid in uh, Black Garb, I thought figured it was either Benjen or Cold Hands. So it makes sense that it's an amalgamation between the two. So yeah, I guess that's fine. Um, but yeah, they just they just make me angry every time I watch those behind the episodes. Yeah, especially when they have what I consider a boring episode, and they're smarmy about it. Yeah, they're like this is what we did, and it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so uh, if there's nothing else, um, I guess we will leave you for this evening. So uh, once again, uh, if you're going to listen to other podcasts, check out uh, Hollywood Handbook. It's great. (laughs) If you're going to listen to any other uh, Game of Thrones recap episodes, do uh, Bald Moves uh, Game of Thrones. But don't you dare, you son of a... Yes, but please leave us feedback either, uh, hopefully, please, on the... uh, iTunes review, write us an iTunes review, rate us five stars. Don't give us anything less than five stars. And then be truthful in the comments. Um, but don't just call us wankers. If you're going to call us wankers, call us something else in addition. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> my name's Doug. Uh, with me is Brian, and we're wishing you a uh, happy Memorial Day. You know, remember your grandparents. And for Brian and Doug, this is Brian saying good evening and Doug is too drunk to say good night. Yeah, I'm sorry. Take care guys.